That was the Spider and the Fly sequence from Benjamin Britten's suite for Johnson over Jordan, the play I've been talking about some by um, J.B. Priestley. Uh, I took a risk in putting it as the intro to the podcast, which is number 251, and is entitled The Spider and the Fly because it's classical and a little takes a little time to develop this sort of a Gershwin-y sort of American in Paris uh, kind of beginning, and then uh, it gets wound up to this rather sinister um, dance entitled The Spider and the Fly, which is to go with a scene in um, Act Two of Johnson Over Jordan. But um, it's so appropriate to the uh, to the theme that I had to include it. And at the end of the podcast, you'll hear Justin Hayward's song "On the Road to Love." Justin Hayward being the sort of ultimate um, exponent of the power and connection of um, of the attachment and the soul tie of the kind of uh, love that kills and destroys and is out of time. But what the podcast is about is the universal character on the power of what J.B. Priestley was attempting in Johnson over Jordan. Now, let me just tell you a little bit about it, give it a little bit of meaning, and then say why I think it's important for for us, for me and for you and for us. This remarkable play was um, presented in London in uh, 1939 and uh, was much um, uh, treasured by its author, but it didn't really quite come off. It was a, people say, oh, it was a time of the war was imminent, and that's what caused it not to be received a little too heavy for a time that was otherwise very heavy, and people knew it. It was then um, sort of went underground for many years while Priestley wrote many other things and it came back with a vengeance in 1965 when um, Sir Ralph Richardson played played it many years after the role he had inaugurated as Johnson, um, but he played it again in 1965 on a BBC taping of the play, which uh, by all intents and reports was magnificent. Now, in 1965, the um, reviewer for Radio Times, which is sort of the English equivalent of what we used to call the TV Guide, the uh, television reviewer uh, preparing viewers in in England to see the BBC production on a Thursday night, I think it was, in 1965, January, of this remarkable play, um, wrote some things about it that I'd really like to read. The play is about a man in his early 50s who dies in his sleep or dies very suddenly after a sudden contracted illness, leaving a wife to whom he is happily married and two grown children who love him, and uh, he is completely taken by surprise, and he goes to the place of the dead. And uh, in the second act after uh, sort of the backdrop of the uh, prayer book, the beautiful old prayer book burial service, he finds himself in a place where things in his life, because he was a rather relatively average uh, seeming middle class person who doesn't appear to have been very complex and a lot of his innermost negative ideas and themes and drives and experiences and aspirations and compulsions come out in uh, act two in a way that's very disturbing about sex, about money, about his children, about possession, about anger, about miscommunication at a very deep level in life. And um, by the grace of God, the reviewer then puts him at a place called the Inn at the End of the World, that is to say the writer, Priestley. And at the end, he becomes completely uh, acquiescent in his life and learns to accept it at the deepest level because all the primary positive influences, and he hasn't been a bad man or a notorious man, 
or an acted out ego, he, um, all the loving people in his life appear to him again in a kind of strange haze, and they talk to him in the most powerful way, and he reconciles himself with love. He reconciles himself with the love that was in with his teachers and his early employers and his friends and his children, finally, and most importantly, his wife. And then he is enabled through a kind of angelic appearance, a gleaming angel, to go to... Uh, um, a an unencumbered and unattached um, um, journey to heaven or to to the eternity to to the one. Uh, the um, play is very uh, sort of Dante's uh, Purgatorio, and it's extremely courageous and extremely powerful and extremely tersely and well written and understated, but with therefore greater feeling. And Benjamin Britten was so interested in his theme, he got wind of it and asked Priestley if he could write the music, which he did. Now. I'm going to read, however, uh, the power of it is that it deals with universals. It doesn't deal with World War II or English labor politics, so things that uh, Priestley was very much involved in. It deals with uh, the themes that are as true for us today in 2018 in the uh, era of Me Too or immigration um, scandal or, you know, pro-anti the U.S. president, whatever it is, it, it, it leaps over things that are not enduring, uh, the kind of things ultimately of, of human uh, desperate need that we all have that Sarah Condon talked about in her so brilliant post recently on Mockingbird Relevant, the pressure she felt to preach in a topical manner, and she was resisting it. Now, I want to read to you what the reviewer said of this um, of this uh, play uh, for the readers, and listen to it. Um, we have caught up with. He was saying that Johnson uh, over Jordan had been um, sort of was way ahead of its time. And then he says in 1965, we have caught up with this play in other ways, too. First, in an irreligious age, there are many people who nevertheless believe that there is more to existence and time than our bread and butter struggles between birth and death. This play is a haunting study of a man's discovery of this. Secondly, social change has led us to accept that you cannot judge the exciting depths of a man's imagination on the basis of his social class or his education or his family connections. Tonight's play, through its male character, affirms the idea that in every small Mr. Johnson, there is a big Mr. Johnson struggling to get out. Partly, through, and then thirdly, through the developments of the marvels of the space age, and indeed of Priestley himself, we now accept that there may be more to what we call space and time. This play is sometimes moving, sometimes amusing, but always exciting and thought-provoking. Now, the reader finishes, and I, I read the whole thing intentionally. The last paragraph goes as follows. Yet, no a description can adequately capture the two outstanding features of Johnson over Jordan. It is essentially human, and it is first-rate entertainment in the best sense of that mis-overused word. Priestley never allows himself to forget that wherever he takes us in the play, he is concerned with those emotions, problems, love, hates, and ideas which are mankind's common property. Now, that review from 1965 really struck me as saying something important uh, in reference to this particular play, which is just an instance of it, and that is to say that we uh, have um, universal loves, hates, um, problems, ideas, and um, 
drives that are the common property of all mankind. And uh, I decided to call the um, podcast The Spider and the Fly after a sequence in which poor Johnson is almost sort of consumed by a kind of satanic, demonic uh, presence uh, in the plural in a cafe or bar scene. I, I decided to talk about this because really what's happened is that the spider, which is Satan's desire to hypnotize, delude, and really cut off the human race from its true resources in dealing with um, death and hate and love unrequited and um, the hope for connection and love, which we all have, and the fear of death. Um, Satan's stratagem has been like the spider to flies. He catches us in false um, beliefs about where we can find help. Today, the false belief is uh, a notion of human identity that is secondary and um, uh, um, superficial and inadequate. In other words, I am my color. I am my ethnicity. I am my gender. I am my race. I am my... um, Uh, these uh, predicates about me that are important uh, and accurate in one level, but they are superficial. They are not true. That is to say, they are not, um, they are not the universals that bind me to every other person in the world. They divide me from those who have a different so-called identity. My real identity is much closer to, to uh, what, um, what uh, Priestley was talking about. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, an, I'm an everyday person with um, a, 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 an enormous desire to make a connection with another person in romantic love and to have children and to, or, or to find myself and my life in relationship to its imminent termination. Because, you know, I was walking along the track today and I was looking at a great big, um, they've erected a gigantic sort of screen against the, uh, with, with a baseball, the diamond, so um, the balls won't hit anybody, and it's about 90 feet high, um, like the Congressional Country Club in Washington, these huge uh, sort of protective screens, and I thought to myself, you know, all the work that went into just that, all the work that went into this track or into the school building overlooking us, which is now the town hall, it really all relates to basically people basically from the ages of 16 to about um, 66. Um, In other words, about... about, um, 40, 50 years max, more like 40 years. Everything you see from nations to stadiums to cars to freeways to infrastructure to hospitals, it's essentially all in um, reference to the human being as I am roughly between the ages of 16 and uh, 64. Uh, After that, it becomes sort of non-essential and kind of like an afterthought. Uh, There, uh, I don't want to be hit by a baseball going awry either, a foul ball that goes too high. I don't want to be hit by it, but nevertheless, it's really about children and protecting children and younger people. And uh, similarly, little children are they're, they're, they're in their own world until they get to a certain point, kind of maybe middle to late adolescence, when they can actually fend for themselves in some sense of freedom. But um, all of which is to say that all of this is erected for basically a 40-year period of, of my existence, uh, what comes after, let alone what comes after death, what comes before in childhood and birth. Uh, that, that is, uh, it's only marginally for that. For that. It's, it's when I was on the vestry, when I was uh, leading churches, it was always the people who were sort of in 35, who were most engaged, or 41, who were most engaged with 
this world that you got the biggest problems for because they took everything so seriously. And when you get to a certain stage, this is not a, I'm not trying to be pompous or to sound holier than thou, but it's just a fact. You, you, you begin to lose interest in things that interested you enormously earlier. As a matter of fact, you almost forget about them, not because you have Alzheimer's, although that could be part of it, but because you just can't, you just are, you're just not interested in it. You're, you're basically, you know, I, I just want to hold your hand. You know? um, the Beatles said it. Now, sometimes someone in early adolescence, like the early Chrissy Hind in the early days, or, or some of those wonderful, you know, Hall and Oates in the early days, uh, or, um, you know, the, the, the Spinners, <laughs> the Beatles, uh, the Stones, they hit a nerve very early because they're sort of coming out of an unjaded, unengaged, unattached youth and childhood. But then afterwards it goes, it's submerged. Uh, what is it? The, 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 the doors uh, close in, uh, to quote um, Wordsworth, who was quoted in turn by Goethe, uh, the walls of uh, the world close us in. And um, so it's really a joke. But what is uh, powerful? We need help. We, we, need, we need tremendous help. That's where the church is meant to be. A, a, a Priestley felt that a country without religion was doomed. Uh, he, he was not a practicing Christian, although C of E, uh, but not an unpractising Christian because he talks about it all the time. Without uh, some, the, the, the deepest uh, uh, relationship that Christianity in particular and religion is about, um, we have no real answers or even beginnings of questions about those things which matter the most, which are romantic love in its enduring and eternal um, uh, presaging of what is ultimately the connection to God and death, which is that which severs us from everything to which we've been attached, unless we're we carry our attachments as Scrooge saw so clearly at the window with Marley into the next uh, phase of our existence, which is terminal. You don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Remember that song by the band? Oh, don't do it. Uh, please um, get this straight. Primary things, not secondary matters. And that's where um, something like uh, Johnson over Jordan is so evocative and so important. And our message as Christians of the gospel is so crucial. We are against huge satanic attack because no one wants to hear it. Satan, most of all, wants to damn people. He wants to damn everybody by, you know, thinking that politics or, you know, um, the Supreme Court appointments is more important than uh, it's all utilitarian. He wants to completely convince us that things which are passing away and they are. They are. Who will have heard of John Roberts or Alito or Clarence Thomas 50 years from now or, or whatever's happening today on that subject? It, it, you, you, you won't even remember it. I think I remember there was a guy named Earl Warren once, but otherwise, are you out of your mind? The power of this is that um, we uh, must, for our own eternal position and happiness and security and safety and um, really the opposite of, of uh, total suffering and repeated birth and repeated uh, absolute sorrow and loss. We must find a way out, and it's uh, priestly in this play that attempts to do it, uh, obviously many other things. And in the next podcast, I'm going to talk about specifically Priestley's very, very... Um, I think, accurate and perceptive uh, questions and ultimately uh, hypotheses about the nature of time, the nature of uh, time in relationship to our short human life, those 45 years, four score and 10 or whatever it is, uh, with the bigger picture, the unattached uh, true uh, self, and finally, the, um, the new being, which is uh, 
the uh, city without tears to which we are going. At least we as Christians believe it, and I do. Anyway, uh, thank you very much. Here's Justin Hayward.